Nate, it's that time of the day again. It's that time of the day. It's that time. It is, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's what we call podcast time. It's the Development Debate Podcast. Uh, we've, we've had some, well, at least two of our loyal listeners. We're up to two now. Oh, we have to. They we have, have officially been, two? They have been concerned. Officially two? Well, I think they were concerned that either we were going to quit doing podcasts or... Well, they check. They know it's too cold to golf. Right. Well, that's true. Here. That's true. And they check weekly to, to see oh, whether I'm, we have. I mean, literally, maybe. Posting you, you, well, they just don't have, you know, they don't have enough going on. They want to listen need, to our podcast. They need more to do. <laughs> they need definitely our two loyal listeners need more, to do. They need more to do. They so, need more to do. But today, uh, it's going to be it's going to be worth the wait because we're going to talk about uh, electric vehicles. We're fortunate to have a, a great uh, guest here with Jason Slattery, and, and he's going to. He's going to get to talk about the, the world of EVs and construction and and re- adapting facilities and really all the work that you know that goes into around it. But um, you know we're we're going to kind of start it off um, uh, you know with kind of the topic first of all e- you know the, the electric vehicle market um, from a corporate site location standpoint um, you know we believe is going to be really among probably the two largest uh, types of manufacturing facilities that are that are uh, going through corporate site location processes in 2022. The other, of course, being the, the, the microchip. The microchips, yeah. um, Fab facilities, we'll have a great discussion on that as well. So we see this as one of the big um, top 10 corporate site location trends. So it is, it is a worthy topic. I'm gonna to start out with a quiz. Wow. Wow. We, Man, we, are we, you we the only on. one, Dave, that has the answer to the quiz? Well, yes, that's why it's called a quiz. Are Jason and I have to answer these well, questions? Jay, yeah, I mean, I don't want to put Jason on the screen. All right, well, he you know, can, rapid fire. So what year was the internal combustion engine? I know the answer because I saw the, I already saw it. It was 1876. You cheated. <laughs> I only read the first Jason, paragraph, he Dave. he started off by cheating. <laughs> Glad sorry, you Jason. The answer because I'm not sure I would have guessed that, right? Well, he wouldn't have either if he hadn't. No, said I would have guessed 1910 or something. It would have it would have been all off. So you know, again, it's if if you think about that since 1876, it's been a pretty good run for the internal combustion engine. It's been and pretty good. Obviously, updated about a million times. The mm-hmm. the, the global auto industry is a 3.6 trillion dollar industry. Let's just say it's big. Um, we live. Uh, we live in a car-dominated, car-designed society. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our zoning, you know, our our work, our infrastructure is all you all know dominated really by the car. Part designed for the car to operate. Correct. Um, I think this transition that the auto industry is getting ready to go through is, you know, maybe the most um, dramatic change in this industry since literally since. You know, I don't know if you go back to Henry Ford with the with the auto assembly plan or well putting together General Motors. I mean, it, it is it definitely uh, Dave. I mean, it's the next. You know, that you think about 1876, right? And and you had the internal combustion engine. You had steel not that long after that. You know, then you had petroleum. So that was the industrial revolution, the start of the industrial revolution, roughly 150 years ago, right? And so now we're getting ready to for our next phase of industrial revolution or, or technological revolution, whatever you want to call it. Well, and, it, and it's a dramatic change in how the car's made. Absolutely. And I thought it was interesting. I, I heard a report, um, you know, that from Elon Musk, who quite frankly has proven 
to the rest of the world that electric vehicles can be made and are popular with consumers. Um, and I and I think it was an interview where he was being kind of pushed on, did you do this for envir environmental purposes? And his answer was really, you know, of course, in part, but in large part, uh, you know, what pushed them to do it is EVs have a lot fewer parts. Yeah. They're a lot simpler to make. They're a lot simpler to operate. Yep. Obviously, they, they, they don't have the emissions that, um, that the internal combustion engines do. But, you know, if you look at actually how uh, the parts and what is in an electric vehicle, um, well, there's a lot more work that needs to be done on the battery industry, which is no doubt, no doubt going on. It is a, um, it's a simpler vehicle to make and operate. Yep. And, you know, not to mention it goes like a thousand miles an hour when you press the. A thousand miles. Off. I know. One of us needs to get one so that we can drive around. Well, I've driven like one. I don't It's have like one. a golf cart. It's like a big it's golf like cart. It's like a golf cart, but it, the, the, the only part you got to get used to is when you take when you your foot off the, the accelerator, it stops. Just like a golf cart. Yeah. So it's not, you know, you got to be ready for that. Um, I, I think what is, you know, what to me is what is going to drive this growth of of the EV industry from a corporate site location standpoint is not the tax code. It's not what it comes from Washington or different states. It is, it's the decision that the industry, the auto industry has made to transition to, to EV vehicles. So Ford has committed to spend 11.5 billion on electrifying its vehicle lineup through 2022. Mm -hmm. um, if you, if you've watched any of the NFL football playoffs and you didn't see an ad for an electric yep. uh, vehicle, then I don't, then you must've been, you know, on your DVR the whole time and fast forwarded through the commercials. Mercedes-Benz um, is confirmed they're gonna roll out 20 new plug-in hybrid vehicles by 2025. GM uh, is looking at 30 new electric vehicles by 2025. Um, Toyota aims to produce 3.5 million electrical ve electric vehicles by 2030. Uh, Honda, you know, says that 40% of its sale goal, sales goals for, for all of its vehicle fleet is going to be zero emission vehicles by 2030. Um, and uh, Chrysler, uh, you know, is targeting over 70% of its sales in Europe and 40% in the U.S. on low emission vehicles by 2030. We could go through every company. Yeah. And, so and those are just goals. the existing companies. That yep. doesn't count the, the ones that are growing. Um, from a corporate standpoint, this creates massive disruption mm -hmm. in this $3.6 trillion industry. Um, small things like transmissions. You don't, need a, you don't need a transmission. Well, yeah. you know, for a political science power guy, train, power train, political science guy, I'm trying to piece this together. Right. But you don't, you just don't need these parts. And the parts you don't need are literally massive parts factories factories you know and lots of factories we know the towns where these yeah. where the where the gm transmission plant is absolutely right so uh or the powertrain plant or um a whole new electrical system a whole new uh computer system um and then the wonderful world of batteries so it it is uh it is just a massive um a massive disruption massive um, change you've got existing companies you know and again i, I think it's uh, great to point out you know companies like dana that you know that have uh kind of lived in this industry and been a major company but they've got a whole dana electrified right 
strategy that's going to try and position them in the EV market. So it isn't just the, the startup companies that get so much attention around the battery or the battery companies, but it's also these existing employers, these existing companies who make the parts. Yeah, well, it's definitely the, it's the tier one and tier two, tier two suppliers to the OEMs, right? Because that's forever, 60, 70 years, they've been making parts for all these automobiles and uh, internal combustion engines. And now they got to switch and figure out how they're going to switch. And, you know, it's, it's that in itself is going to be trillion dollars of investment to figure out. Absolutely. Um, and then you've got literally EV manufacturers from startup, Bollinger, Biden, Canoe, Verity Future, Fisker, Lucid, uh, Rivian. It, it is, um, I mean, it, when's the last time you've heard of a startup car company? Right. I mean, we've been consolidating the yeah. auto industry for the right. last hundred years. We haven't been in the last right. We haven't been growing new ones. Sure. So in the last five to ten years, certainly in the last three to five, we've seen them. They pop up all the time. And a lot of them are a lot of them are made up or they're invest. They are uh, they're being made up of um, existing big car companies that are investing in partnerships. Tesla's obviously yeah. the the uh, uh, unique in that respect. Well, Rivian has, has benefited from yeah. a lot of outside investment yeah. and, and they've announced, you know, uh, basically 5 billion in investments in a 2000 acre uh, complex in Georgia. It's gonna create 7,500 uh, jobs. Um, you know, Star EV, uh, again, another electric vehicle manufacturers announced a, a project in South Carolina. Tennessee has been a big winner with Ford uh, with a battery plant, um, $5.6 billion, uh, 3,600 acre campus with 5,800 jobs. I mean, for manufacturing the past couple of years with automation, most of their, most of their projects are 50 jobs. Yeah. They're hundred jobs. Yep. Um, the days of the thousand job corporate site location project in the manufacturing sector have been few and far between. Right. So that tells you just how, you know, how big this how big is. Are. Um, Jason, why don't, you know, we've, we, we're we kind of bored with each other at this point, you know, which happens. It happens. We talk to each other all the time. Yeah. Usually it doesn't even take till 11 really. To why don't, why don't you give, why don't you, why don't you give our, our listeners kind of your background and, and um, you know, maybe your perspective from, from your side of this, of this sure. issue. Yeah, no, happy to join you guys today. I mean, this is an exciting topic. I mean, I'm part of the Rudolph Libby group and we're traditionally a construction company. So um, we represent kind of the commercial and industrial backbone of the Midwest. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of questions that our customers are asking is when is this phase or this revolution going to happen? Um, if you're trying to make the decision on buying an electric vehicle, you're asking yourself, you know, why would I buy an electric vehicle over an electric or a combustion engine right now? Um, or is the electric charging infrastructure, is it ready? Those are the common questions that we routinely get asked by our customers who are, you know, making the decision both to buy a vehicle and to, um, you know, make a decision to put some of this infrastructure in on their, their buildings. So I guess that's where we like to focus. As I said, we're a construction company, um, you know, we kind of look at this from two different perspectives. We see the perspective of the, the manufacturing sector that we're, you know, doing business with for the past 50 years, um, Ford, Stellantis, 
Toyota, Honda, those are all companies that are in the process. We're working with them on retooling their plants. They're driving this investment, but really we see a limitation of is the infrastructure ready to accommodate this big wave of electric vehicles that is being pushed out? I think the answer to that is no. So that's where we kind of see ourselves coming in to kind of fill that void because as you're a building owner, or if you're even looking for where are you gonna to go to charge your electric vehicle, the decision has to be made. Um, if you're a building owner, do I put it in now? Do I wait a while? How do I put it in? Those are all questions that they always ask us. So that's kind of where we fit that mold or fit into that equation. Um, but the numbers are telling. I mean, so today, both the hybrid and electric vehicle sectors represents about 12% of all vehicle sales. That projection is supposed to get close to 60% of all vehicle sales by 2030. So the growth is definitely there. The investment, as you pointed out, from the traditional names like Ford and General Motors, that investment's there. The new names are coming into the equation, the Rivians of the world, the names that you don't typically think about. They're not household names yet, but will be potentially tomorrow. Um, those are coming, those are, those companies are pouring investment, that charging infrastructure has to be the next step to allow that rollout to be, um, I guess, getting up to the numbers of 60% of total vehicle sales by 2030. So that's where we want to come in, build the infrastructure, work with building owners that have the, the buildings today with no vehicle chargers on them. How do we how do we implement those chargers to allow for both the employees charging their vehicles and also become destination centers for uh, additional revenue and retail commerce coming down the pike that we're seeing? Wow, and that and that is just that's a phenomenal point because um, and you know I, I know I make my wife nervous with my belief in the drive to empty. Number. Yeah, and you know sure a lot of people do but but i think that um you know i think that uh, if there is a challenge for folks with the with the current evs is if if you know your life is kind of driving around town and you can plug your 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 car in at night not a big deal, big deal. uh if you're kind of like in our world where you know today we're columbus and tomorrow we might be toledo or detroit or who, who knows where we'll be, and, and we drive a lot of those places, uh, it's not that simple. And um, that, that clearly requires um, a lot of investment around that, that charging infrastructure. That could be at homes, that could be at businesses, that... Uh, well, and, and, and you know, I, I think it was yesterday, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal, they were talking about how the, from a federal perspective, they're gonna put money, the money that's gonna go into charging stations will go first into uh at on the interstates on highways because that is to your point dave that's the that's kind of the gap you know you can we we could drive from here to cleveland but then we'd have to find the tesla dealership and plug it in or we'd have to drive on the turnpike maybe i don't they haven't i don't think in ohio they have them yet but that's the that's i mean i, I think i think uh you know to jason's point that's you got to build that out first because that's a big gap that's a huge gap there's cities that have those charging stations but there's not you can't go to a rest that you can't go to a rest area today on the highway 
and charge up. Well, and it's we, we not have, Ohio we, anyway. We, well, we actually just had a, a webinar on this from a policy standpoint, and we had the Ohio Department of Transportation folks on, uh, you know, with the Drive Ohio team. And again, every state's different, but um, <laughs> you know, they're they're not, they're not even sure federal regulations permit them to put uh, charging private sector charging stations at rest stops. So uh, there's a policy piece to this. It, it's, it's clearly the, the engineering, the technology. Then, then the other piece of it is, uh, from, a, from a technology standpoint, is you know we are Americans. And the thought of parking our car, and even if you find a fast charger, uh, and waiting 20, 30, 45 minutes for it to charge, um, that's not very appealing. Right. That's you know, maybe right. we need gas. Maybe that's going to take five minutes to go to the restroom and get a, get a, get a pop or coffee and, and, you know, get gas back in your car. But that's not a full fledged 45 minute hour long, hour long stop. If you can find the charging station. So um, I, I think it'd be interesting, um, you know, we'll see what Jason thinks, but you know, when's the technology going to be there? When is it going to be, uh, I mean, is the model that it's going to turn into um, kind of like the propane tank you buy? You know, you, you take an empty propane tank in and you trade it in for a full one. You get a battery. Well, will that, thing. but yeah. seriously, will that be? Will it be a charging station or will it be a battery that you Will it just replace? be a battery exchange? Yeah. You know, get well, ready. I think the phase that we're in right now is kind of the early adopter phase. If you look at who buys electric vehicles right now, I mean, it's kind of like a life cycle or lifestyle uh, thing. So, you know, I think once you get to the next phase where you start having more of a mass market adoption, um, converting over to um, electric vehicles from the combustion engine, I think that's when you're going to start seeing a lot of changes. So things like your traditional fuel centers where everybody's used to going to a gas station and filling up their tank, I think that might change. I think you're going to start seeing more and more gas stations essentially becoming extinct and more and more destination type centers becoming the area where people go to charge their vehicles. You know, they're gonna to go to the grocery store and buy their groceries while their car is charging, or they're gonna go get a cup of coffee or grab some food at a restaurant. And then that's where they're, they're refueling um, their electric vehicle. So I think that um, early adoption phase, um, once we get to the tipping point of mass market, I think that's when you're going to see not necessarily the, the rest stops along interstate highways, but you're going to start seeing more of this infrastructure get to where people want to hang out and where people are going to spend their time. And I think that's going to look different than it looks today where you go up to a fuel center and fill up. That makes sense. That no, makes I, sense. I, I think you're right. And I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be kind of everywhere. I personally, you know, I, I have faith in the market. I think the more the auto industry deciding they're going to go electric will drive that infrastructure to be created, mm -hmm. how it is, where it is, who does who pays it, for it, it'll be very interesting. You know, the utilities could be, could be big players in this. Uh, do they want to be big players? Um, you know, at some point it won't be free, <laughs> you know, anymore you, cause it is a novelty, right? You do have this early adopter, you go into a lot of garages and there's five or six spaces where you could park, where you basically just get to charge your, your uh, electric in for free. Government's trying to figure out how they pay for roads. Um, 
you know, we have paid through, we've paid for our, a, a lot of our, uh, you know, highway and roadway infrastructure through a user fee that's, it's on everyone's, everyone pays it when they go get gasoline. Yeah. They don't see it. Yep. But, you know, quite frankly, in a lot of cases, it might be as much as half the cost. Oh, yeah. Of that gasoline is actually a tax. Right. That pays for our roads. Yep. Um, moving to electrification is a big deal. How do we do that? Yeah. You know, and I, I know states like Ohio have kind of created basically a fee you pay up front and it's a couple hundred bucks. But that doesn't pay for stuff over Well, time. that's not, I mean, yeah. compared to what the average person pays for in gas tax. Yeah, that's not sustainable. You know, that's not it. Yeah. Um, and then what, what vehicles become electric? There was a, a big um, fuel cell hydrogen right. uh, project announced here in Columbus. And a lot of folks think that EVs will be for the autos, uh, but the larger trucks, the larger fleets could be hydrogen. Yeah. So again, it's, it is very interesting. It is going to be, uh, you know, from a very, uh, I think we're diversifying our use of energy. Yep. You know, and which will diversify our sources. Yeah, uh, it makes it. Um, you know, I, I've always thought from an energy and economic development standpoint, uh, a region, a state, a nation needs to have diverse, reliable, and affordable energy sources. Yeah, well, and you bring up a couple of good points there. Right. I mean, from a development perspective, there's money to be made paying for this infrastructure on the returns that you get from charging electric vehicles. So. As a for-profit entity, you can go out and capture a revenue stream from discharging people's cars, which additionally you can then use that revenue to pay for that infrastructure. But you basically create a new business. You create a new business model. You create a new industry. I think that's what's going to accelerate this into different locations and different investors wanting to get involved. But the other piece that you bring up is the tax revenue, which I think this will be taxed similar to the way gasoline is taxed because you're still going to have to pay for the roads and the bridges and the infrastructure that we all get to take advantage of. Um, I, I think those are things that'll shake them themselves out is this, you know, early adopter phase gets into the mass market phase, but the utilities are kind of dabbling in this right now. Um, you've got a lot of for-profit investors that are pouring a ton of money into the infrastructure because they know that's kind of the Achilles heel right now, that the infrastructure has to be built before these massive vehicle rollouts can hit. But your point you bring up about hydrogen, I mean, we see the same thing on the commercial industrial side is we see the light vehicles and pedestrian type vehicles, definitely migrating towards the lithium ion batteries. And then we see the class eight vehicles, the semi-truck traffic, that migrating more towards the hydrogen piece because you know, those are long haul operations and you, know, you can get more energy density in the hydrogen piece. So I, I definitely see that there's gonna be um, you know, different vehicles that are powered um, by different solutions. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And you know, again, I think ultimately, um, you know, technology is going to matter. I think we're, the, the United States is fortunate to have uh, just such a large share of the venture capital yeah. that exists in the world because a lot of this technology has obviously been fueled uh, by that part of the pun. But, um, you, you know, again, you don't need, need me to have a pun there. Yeah, I, I slid it in. I yeah. slid it in. But it is... Um, it's it's those startup companies that to me are just really exciting to, to think that 
we would have new car companies, you know, in this, you know, in this market uh, where really the car companies have been either falling apart or consolidating or, you know, they're not, they have not been moving in the direction right. as, as most industries have kind of fostering new, you know, new players in it. So it, it is going to be, um, it's going to be a disruptive time. I mean, we, we as a company um, have always done, you know, a lot of work for companies in, in disruptive industries that are being disrupted because, you know, reality is for these companies in, in chaos, there's opportunity. Oh yeah. And that, that is what, uh, that's what's going on in this marketplace. There's going to be downsides to it. I I think that, um, you know, I think a lot of those uh, tier one, tier two suppliers who have made the car the same way for a hundred years, they're, they're going to have to figure out what plan B is. Well, and I, and I wanted to ask you, Jason, just, you know, your thoughts on that. I mean, you're, are you, are you already starting to see that from your current customers where they're thinking through that, how we change our plans, or is that something you see in the next three to five years where, you know, companies that you've, you've, you've had, you know, you've been working with for whatever, 20, 30 years. Uh, what are they, where are they in that stage? Are they, are they, are they thinking through, Hey, we got to make changes or they kind of wait uh, until there's these really disruptions really happen. I think everybody's watching it. I mean, you just pick up a paper every day and you read a new article about some new electric vehicle company that's um, making a stir out there. Um, I think everybody's watching it. Um, I wouldn't say everybody's implementing solutions yet. Everybody's very interested to explore what it takes to put electric vehicle chargers in their building. I would say the new buildings that are being planned right now, more often than not, um, vehicle chargers are being carved into the design. The existing building stock that's out there, people are trying to figure out how to put it in. Um, a lot of times what we're seeing is it's very challenging to put electric vehicle chargers into an existing building because it hasn't been planned for. Um, these vehicle chargers use an immense amount of electricity So you can't just tie it into the existing electrical infrastructure on a traditional building Um, like you can just plug something into a wall socket today. I mean, because the amount of charge that these vehicles are requiring, just the systems haven't been designed electrically to accommodate them. I mean, there's three types of chargers. There's the level one chargers, which think of just plugging into a wall outlet. Yep. The challenge that you have with that is it, it will literally take you all day to charge your vehicle. Uh, those, those level one chargers charge at a rate of four to five miles of charge per hour. And then you migrate next into level two. And those give you 20 to 60 miles of um, charge per hour. And then you have what Tesla's um, most known for, which is their fast chargers. Um, those are the fast charges where you pull up and it takes you maybe 10 minutes to get a complete charge. Those types of systems, the existing buildings and the infrastructure have not been um, designed in a way to accommodate that fast charge um, infrastructure to roll out. So you have to get really selective on where you put those fast chargers in. A lot of times you're bringing new electrical service in just to accommodate those fast chargers. So um, it, it comes down to it's a cost thing. It's um, 
it's very expensive to implement fast chargers because that electrical infrastructure or the extension cord to get to the, the charger itself is very expensive to put in. So anytime that we have customers and clients that we work with that can plan for that, um, it, you know, it's a lot cheaper to do it during the planning phases than to do it after a building's been constructed. Yeah, no, that make, yeah, makes sense. People run into it with their homes too. They're doing the same thing. You know, they're, they're uh, people that have the Tesla. It's, that's the question, whether they want to spend the money to upgrade, spend, I, th- I mean, it's a lot. It's like a thousand or 1500 bucks or whether they, you know. I mean, look, a couple, COVID hit a couple winters ago. I bought a couple electric heaters and it shut down the electricity in my house. So, so you're I, saying, I don't know you, what you're saying that on. you wouldn't be able to plug in your cars? That's what you're saying? Well, I'm Maybe something. the breakers. As I've said many times, as a political science major, not a real you're science not major. So I can't, I can't figure out this stuff. I, I know you need to think through it. I know that the different chargers that Jason talked about, um, that there are there are literally different these different yeah. pieces to it. I know that there's also r- wide-ranging price points. Yep. You know, with these charging units from cheap to really expensive the reality is the more convenient you know as with everything uh in a a market the more convenient it is the more expensive it gets so again a lot of disruption a lot of fun stuff um you know jason i'm proud of you you survived uh our podcast i mean we've had a couple people that kind of cry <laughs> whimper off you know towards it's the end. so tough well it's really tough having to talk to us for t- i mean that's really he survived before though that's true that's true just that's hadn't true. hopefully hadn't been recorded right right you, yeah you say some inappropriate i say things. some bad things that's why on the podcast i try not to, you know i don't talk about uh, you clean up your language yeah you know i try to keep it try to keep it pg G. Uh, She's kind of boring. Well, yeah. PG-13. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I can take my son. Mature. Mature. My for, son could listen to that. Mature audiences. Like, MA. Yeah. 17-year-olds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nate. That's it. Oh, my Lord. See, this is what happens. <sighs> now, now we're going to figure out if we can just get that erased. <laughs> we can. We'll just wipe all that we can. Re- we can. We can wipe it Boom. right out. Boom. Yeah. Well, Jason, thanks for being on the podcast. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great discussion. I know it's a big hot topic. We think there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues to, to work through. We think it's going to be an exciting year in the in the EV marketplace. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, yeah. Jason. Thank you. Talking to you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, loyal listeners. Listeners. Listen. Ooh, we have two now. Plural. Plural. Yes. All right. Everybody, have, have a great week. day. Bye bye. To learn more about the Montrose Group services, please visit MontroseGroupLLC.com.